those songs. I love those songs. Man. Reminds me of when I was a baby Christian going to a church, hearing those old hymns of the faith. And you know one thing I like about those hymns is that they encourage me. They bless my heart. They fill me with joy. They fill me with happiness. They just lift, literally they lift my spirit. I am getting a really bad echo. Is there something wrong with this? Uh, it's, it's really kind of annoying. <laughs> Sorry. Sounds okay? I've got a message tonight I think the, the Lord really put on my heart. It's actually uh, kind of two messages. I had a message already planned out which is, is entitled Standing Firm. And we really need to be encouraged today to stand firm in our faith. Wouldn't you agree? It is so easy to be led astray. It is so easy to be coerced or hear words of a persuasive speech to be led away from what our true faith is all about and what it should be focused on. But I want to start off this double, kind of double message. Actually, there's, it's one message, but I've got kind of two titles for it. My, the first one is, that we are living in the last days. They are upon us. Would you all agree with that? Amen. I'm glad you do, because we are literally at the precipice of the Lord's return. I believe that with all my heart. As we stand at this edge of this step, that's where I believe we are in history, in his story. I'm going to read several, a couple passages of scripture to you. One of them is a lengthy, a lengthy uh, passage, and it's in 2 Peter. And I really would like you to open your Bibles uh, if you have them with you tonight. 2 Peter chapter 3. And as I've been preparing for this, I really like this whole chapter. So I'm going to read the whole chapter to you. So please bear with me. I think that the, 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 what's in here is so vital for us today. Not only to help us stand firm, but also to encourage our hearts as we see the day approaching. Second Peter chapter 3. Beloved. I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by, uh, by way of reminder. In other words, he's reminding us of some things here. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this... The, that scoffers will come in the last days, working, walking according to their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they will, for this, uh, for this they willfully forget that the word of God that by the word of God the heavens 
were of old, and the earth standing out in the water and in the water, by which the world that that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Amen? Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since they were things, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promises, look for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, and I love that word, therefore. Therefore is therefore everything that I just read. Listen. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to, hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist in their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You, therefore, Beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever. All of God's people said, Amen. Now I don't normally read a whole chapter when I'm when I'm preaching a message. But I just felt that I had to read that whole chapter because there is so much in this. And I, I think we'll be done around 10 or 11 o'clock tonight as, as we go through this. So stay awake. No, I'm just kidding. But there's uh, several reasons why Peter wrote these things. And I just wrote down just a few points that I want to go, go to before we, as we learn and as we get confidence on how to stand firm in the Lord. First of all, Peter wrote this to stir us up in the Lord, to motivate us, 
to get us thinking. Remember, we're living in the end days. A lot of times we get real complacent in where we are and what we're doing. He's trying to get us to think about what it's been like and what it's going to be. The second thing I wrote down, to remind us of what is, or what was, what is, and what is to come in the last days. The third thing I thought about was, you know, the scoffers, the blasphemers, the mockers of of God's word, of God's people. They say, he hasn't come yet, he's probably not going to come. But let me tell you something, he is and I'm telling you something right now also. This is just how I, what I feel and what I believe. I've been saved since 1978. And pastor, since 1978, about a week after I got saved, I started hearing about the Lord's return. I thought he could return that day. Back in 1978, I thought he was going to come back. When I married my wife, man, don't re, don't, we're not going to be married. We're not going to be on this life too long, so we need to get married. He's coming back. Well, I'm many years older now. No. But you know what? Since that day, back in 1978, I have never stopped thinking or believing that it could be today. That's always been in my heart. That's always been my thought process about his second coming, about his return about the rapture of the church. Scoffers will come. Scoffers are here. Listen, scoffers and mockers and blasphemers are shouting it from the housetops, which is where the gospel should be coming from. Am I right? Many have forgotten the word. One judgment has already has already come and gone. That was the flood. The next judgment is coming. The fire. Here's some other reasons why he wrote this. To know that God keeps his promises. And he's patient. He's long-suffering, isn't he? I am so glad about that. In spite of all that is going on around us, we can still have peace. That's the peace of God that passes all understanding. It's not any peace that I generate, because I don't. Neither do any of you. We don't generate peace. We get that peace only from Him. In Jesus' name. It's His peace. Don't fall from our own steadfastness and faith because of the error of the wicked. Remember I said just a moment ago that uh, the wicked shout it from the housetops now. They are, they are presenting their wicked gospel and many, many are believing it. Many are, are becoming complacent or lackadaisical in their faith because, hey, he hasn't come yet. Didn't you say he was going to come back in 1978? Yeah, but hey, it wasn't his time yet. He's coming back. 
Don't fall for don't fall from our own steadfastness and faith because of what we hear or read in today's in today's uh, society. You know, as I was going through this, you know, 50, 60 years ago, who were the people that were respected the most? Pastors, priests, policemen? Not, t- not so today. We're not seeing that kind of respect that we saw 40, 50, or 60 years ago um, in our society. In fact, respect has almost completely gone out the window, wouldn't you agree? It's not taught in our schools anymore. It's not in our, in our universities, for sure. Hey, but yeah, what about politics? No, it's not in politics either. Violence is not just spoken of, but it's literally being carried out in our streets and in, the, in our homes and in our schools and on our highways. We just had a, a shooting here last night, I think it was, or maybe that was this morning. I don't remember. This morning, I got a text from my wife about 11 o'clock saying, did you hear the news? I didn't hear that. I didn't know that. So anyway. Listen. We need to be aware. We need to be ready. We need to stand firm. And and that is the message that I wanted to present tonight. To stand firm. But as I was as I was reading this, in fact, I had a conversation with somebody about a week or so ago, and we talked a little bit about this. And just the other day, I'm, I'm tr- preparing for this Bible study this evening, and I just felt led to, to share that. I think it's important that we're not only we're encouraged. I'm encouraged when I read that. I'm blessed when I read that. That's why I read the whole thing to you, so you would have that same blessing, same encouragement that I have. Okay, tonight, we need to stand firm. One way to stand firm is to be in church. One way to, to be encouraged is to be in church. I think it's really important to be a part of a family. And, and I know many of us, our families have passed or, are, or we're not that close to our families. But listen, man... All you out here, I love you guys. I don't know you all, but I love you. Thank you. But but I, I love you not so much because I know you, but because we're part of the family of God. That's why I love you. Why do we go to church? Why do you come to church? Let me just hear some, some reasons. Why do you come to church? That's fellowship, support. What else? Prayer. Yep. Spiritually fed. How about we find family here? We find fellowship. Somebody said fellowship. We receive encouragement, forgiveness, and hope. Hope is so much lacking in this world today. People are walking around, people that we walk by every day. They may have a smile on their face, many of them, but many of them have no hope. Children, young adults, 20-somethings, they walk around 
what is going on in this world today. And, and you know what that brings? That brings fear. That brings fear into their hearts and into their lives. I want to read a passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 15. And I'm starting in verse 50. Now, I don't hear any, hear any uh, pages shaking. So most of you have devices, right? Yeah. Okay. First Corinthians 15, verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruption, or for this corruptible, must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruption has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall we, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Amen. Oh, death, where is your victory? Or your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, how many times have we heard that tonight? Therefore, because I just read what I read, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I'm done. Man, that is good stuff. That is exciting reading to me. I get pumped up when I read that. Even at home, when I read, I, I do my reading usually in, early in the morning, like 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the morning, when it's really quiet. And I'm telling you what, that stuff sends shivers up my spine. Most of the time, when I read several passages of Scripture, <coughs> excuse me, that, that really makes me vibrant, makes me look ahead, makes my spiritual eyes look up. Not that they already weren't looking up, but they woke up and they started looking up. <clears throat> That's why I come to church, to get encouraged. We're not alone in church. In Christ, we're not alone. As my dear brothers, this should be a great encouragement to each one of us when we are going through struggles, trials, the issues of life, whatever your struggle is. I love you, but I don't know you. I don't know what your problems are, but he does. He knows where you're going, where you've been, and what you're going to be doing tomorrow. Count on him. Rely on him. There's important characteristics of being a, 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 being a, a Christian and being a part of a church or a faith family. And in Christ, we have a family. In a family, we find four things. Now, this is not, this is not totally, could, there could be a lot more. 
I just put four down. Peace. Rest. Security. And love. Now, I, I come from a family of five. Now four. But in my life, as I've grown in Christ, I've thought about this passage before, and the, the, the four things that I just shared, I could attribute to a characteristic of each member of my family, my brothers and my sister. So on the peace, on peace, I've always attributed, I've always attributed it to Rich, because he was always there. He was always. He had the, he had the, always had the calm heart. He was always at, he always seemed to be at peace. I've got another brother named Lou, and I always looked at him and I always thought about rest because he was well not only the lazy one of the family but he was <laughs> he'll be here at the funeral service and please don't say I said that about him. But, but rest, he was always the laid-back one of my family. He was always the cool guy. He was always the one that, to me, seemed like he always had it under control. So I just, I just looked at him, I'm thinking, he's got a restful spirit. Now, my brother Paul, he's my youngest brother, and Lou is my younger brother also, but Paul is the youngest. And he is a handyman. He can fix. He can do anything. And pastor, he knows everything. When he went to college, he, he studied uh, uh, engineering. But he studied the type of engineering that taught him general engineering. And he knew a lot of stuff about everything. And his goal was to be a master, uh, a master of, of everything. And so security. When I come to church, I feel secure. Well, in my family, my brother Paul... If there was ever anything wrong or ever anything broken, man, just call Paul. He can fix it. Or he knows where I can get it fixed. <clears throat> or he knows where to find the part. So I looked at him as security. My sister, Corky, now her name is Ethel. So we always called her Corky from, I guess she was seven or eight years old. Just, and it just stuck. Don't know how we got the name Corky, but that's just what they called her. She's love. She was always the one that was putting her arms around us. Telling us it was okay. When she wasn't mad at us, by the way. <clears throat> As we were growing up. As we grew up, it, that's the way she was. She's the hospitable one. But that's what we that's what we should be finding in church. Aren't those things characteristics of what we all should be? Peace, rest, security, and love. In Christ, we find support. Support to carry out the will of God. What's the will of God? To go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do all that I have commanded you. All the way until the end of the age. And lo, I am with you to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. 19 through 20, or 18 through 20. In that small verse, there's three mighty powerful things that we have already in us, working in us. <clears throat> and that's his power, and that's his purpose, and that's his presence. We have his Holy Spirit giving us the strength and the courage to push on. 
to stand firm. In Christ, we find strength, strength to do what is right. Oh, man, have you ever been up against it where you have two choices and one is the right thing to do and the other is maybe the easy thing to do or the not-so-right thing to do? I'm not making any stories up here for you, but I'm just telling you, when we have a choice to make, it's usually the right thing or the wrong thing. And sometimes, most of the time, the right thing is often the hard thing to do in our life and in the decisions that we have to make. Not just to do the right thing, but to get over through the over uh, or through the hurdles and the struggles uh, that we go through. You know, God never promised that He'd uh, uh, that He'd take us around them, around the hurdles or the struggles that we face in life. But you know one thing he always will do? He will get us through them. He will get us through them. You know, do you ever wonder why he makes us go through these things? It's be- I know you have, but it's because he wants us to be able to help those who are going through the same things later on. We can help them. We can be an encouragement to them. We cannot let circumstances control our lives. Let nothing move you. Galatians 5.1, it says, For it is freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a, a yoke of bondage. You know, we've already been there. We've already done that. Most of us have the T-shirt. Don't be burdened by those circumstances again. Let them, <clears throat> let them just be behind you. Don't even look in your rearview mirror at them. Because they could be a temptation to you. When we let circumstances control our lives, the enemy will seek to discourage us. In John 10.10, the Bible says, The thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. What does Jesus say, though? I like the encouraging words at the the next part of that verse. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it to the abundance, to the full. And you know what? Yeah, we're going to experience all that when we get to glory someday. But you know what? That verse is for today. We can experience that abundant life, that joyful life, that 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 peaceful life, that lovable life today. As we live in this world, people might look at you strange. But you know what? Who cares? I know whom I have believed in. I know where my soul is going when I die. I do not hope I go to heaven. Do you know that? I don't hope I'm going. I know I'm going to heaven. There's no question. I know Rich will be in heaven with me when I get there. Somebody somebody said that, uh, oh man, he's probably looking down on us. I said, no, he's not. He's looking at Jesus. He's not looking at us. He's got his eyes on Christ. He might be wishing in the back, 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 back part of his, his mind that we were here with him. But man, he was looking in the eyes of Jesus. He, see, he was seeing his Savior face to face. Eyeball to eyeball. In his glorified body, no less.
The enemy will seek to discourage us. Discouragement <clears throat> by worldly standards. Uh, he discourages us in, in a lot of different ways. Oh, I'm not making enough money. Oh, I've got to do this or I've got to do that. I don't have the right relationship. I need this or I need that. He discourages us in a lot of different ways. He tries to. I hope you're not discouraged by all that stuff. I know we get discouraged because it's easy to sometimes. The enemy will seek to defeat us. He will seek, if he can't kill you, he'll seek to put you on, try to put you on the sideline. Oh, God can't use me anymore. I, 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 I did this wrong, and I, you know, I, I did this, and he can't forgive that, and I just, he just won't use me anymore. That is a lie from the devil. If he's saved you, he's forgiven you. That's past, present, and future tense. He's forgiving you. Don't be discouraged. Don't be on the sidelines thinking that you can't be used again. And every one of you has godly potential in your lives. Some of us can, can go out and do the legwork and the, 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 the works of our hands. Some of us can pray because we can't get around like we used to. Maybe our knees and our backs go out more often than we do. But we have, we have the ability to still follow the Lord in prayer, in, in studying the Word, in being an encouragement to those who we sit next to at church. Then the enemy will seek to destroy us, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. 1 Peter 5 says, be sober. Realize he's doing this. Be vigilant. Look out. We're on the wall, folks. We are on the wall keeping guard. We have to be vigilant. Of our, We're on guard of our homes. We're on guard of our hearts. We're on guard for our families. And we need to be vigilant that none of this stuff gets in. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Second hmm. Corinthians 4 says this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Now, in the, the verses prior to that, it talks about the treasure that we are. We have God's mercy. That's a, that's a wonderful treasure, isn't it? We have his mercy living within us. We have, his, we have his truth living within us. And we have his light living within us. We are the treasures. I mean, he, those are the treasures that these jars of clay, that this jar of clay has in, in this life. We have this treasures in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Amen? Preplexed, but not, uh, not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Us. We are the jars of clay. We have temporary corrupt bodies that will not last. The Lord tarries 
we will all go the way of the grave. In Him, we have all power. We have this infinite power and presence of God in each one of us. We have, I love this word, we have victory. We have victory in Jesus. We have a closer walk with thee, don't we? With who? Closer walk with thee, with Jesus. Because we have these treasures, we are not crushed. We are not in despair. We are not destroyed. Amen. We are to give ourselves over to God's work. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. You know, that's from the Satan. That's from Satan. In Jesus' name, stop. It will as soon as he gets up there. Ah, see? To find his work, to find out what God wants to do in our lives, we got to know his word, don't we? We can't know his will if we don't know his word. We need to know his word. You read his word daily. You know, I was talking to a gentleman just a couple of uh, weeks ago, and we were talking. He's a pastor. And he said, you know, one thing I've noticed about my congregation over the years, and he's retired now. Can you hear me now? Most people who go to church read the Bible at church when it's being read to them or when they see it on the PowerPoint. That's when they read their Bibles. I don't believe that in this congregation. I believe most of us are reading the Word of God on a regular basis. And on Wednesday night, we have the cream of the crop, don't we, Pastor? I believe that. He believes it. To fulfill his work, we must always keep our focus on him. You know, as we, as we walk through life, I'm going to give an example I gave in a church I was a pastor at for a long time. There was a, a cross in the back of the church, and it was, it was right there. And I said, we walk through life. And if you stay focused on that cross, and I walk down the aisle, and I had several people on the aisle grabbing at me. I, I told them to, to grab at me while I was walking down that aisle slowly, focusing on the cross. Well, while they were grabbing me, I was losing focus, and I was turning away. That's what happens when we take our eyes off the cross. We can do almost anything God wants us to do when we stay focused on the cross. We can get distracted very easily. As we walk in life, because we've got obstacles, we've got distractions, we've got people coming in and out of our lives, we've got the media, we've got all this other stuff coming in at us, bombarding us. But we need to stay focused. As my boss says, we need to stay laser focused on, the, on what we need to do today. Keep our focus. The Bible says in, in Matthew, seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. 
Our labor is not in vain. Don't get tired in doing well. Don't get tired in doing good. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. James 5 says, you too be patient, stand firm, because the Lord is coming. The Lord's coming is near. He's almost here, folks. We can look at, we can, and I say this as an encouragement, not as a, a scare tactic, but as an encouragement. Our work is never wasted, even if we don't see the results we expected or would like to see. When we pray, a lot of times we pray that we never see results happen. Like for people's salvation, we, we may never see if that person or, or, or whatever happens in that situation. We never know sometimes that that person ever got saved or not. We might see a healing. We might see a family uh, come back together again, a husband and a wife uh, reconcile. We can see all those things. But we don't always see the results of our prayers. In a new building, you can't see the foundation, can you? But you know it's there because the building still stands. Work for God must be done with eternity. When we serve, don't serve for the moment. Serve for the eternity. Serve for what will your service accomplish in the future. God gives us the victory. 1 Corinthians 5.27, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We must stand firm by faith. In Jesus' name. That's all I've got, Pastor. Let's pray. Father, we just praise your name. We bless you. We thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. Lord, we look forward to seeing you move and work in our hearts and in our lives. And I know, I pray that the words that, I was, that I've been privileged to speak this evening have encouraged the hearts and the lives of those that are here today. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.